0: Soccer! soccer. Hello, 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 and thank you so much for pressing play on the latest edition of the Michigan Soccer Central Podcast, your weekly dip into the world's game being played right here in the Great Lakes State of Michigan. How's it going? My name's Robert Kerr, host of the program once again. Happy to be hosting the program once more gotta say a uh, happy first day of the high school boys soccer season. practices and tryouts began on Monday this week. so kudos to all those players getting at it and the uh, the soccer calendar continues to change or keep continuing to turn and we get into that next chapter where high school athletics uh, start coming back. I'm not ready for the summer to be done too soon. We got so much more uh, soccer still to play this summer. Uh, we have, of course, we, we got the, the youth, the high school teams getting back at it. But uh, this week, we're going to focus more on the professionals, the international tier, as we welcome back University of Michigan's women's head coach, Jennifer Klein, to discuss Women's World Cup. The uh, U.S. women went out a little bit earlier than we expected. So we have Jennifer on a little bit earlier on in August than uh, we had previously planned. But before we talk about the women's uh, exit from the World Cup and we kind of talk about the tournament in general and pick our favorites of the teams that remain, because there's some really good teams left over in the tournament, can't sleep on it now that the U.S. is out. I want to encourage everybody to please like and subscribe on the YouTube. Uh, We've got some great followings on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Lots of follows there, but the uh, YouTube a little bit behind. So definitely do the like and subscribe on the YouTube. I can't believe I'm saying those things. And then uh, head over to Spotify or Apple Music or any of your favorite uh, podcast dispensaries for uh, the audio version of this. Check out at MI Soccer Central across all social media platforms for your latest in Michigan soccer from uh if you're a coach a player a parent or a fan uh they got something there on the socials for everyone that uh has a love for soccer and uh love of soccer here in the great Lakes state so keep it tuned in for university of michigan's women's soccer head coach jennifer klein and i discussing the women's world cup here on the michigan soccer central podcast Welcome back here on the Michigan Soccer Central podcast. Rob Kerr here once again. On this next segment, I was planning on having our guest return maybe in another week or two, but uh, the World Cup is done for the U.S. women's national team. So I've got University of Michigan's head soccer coach, Jennifer Klein, back on the program to discuss the U S women's departure in the round of 16 and just the tournament in general and the uh, upcoming year for uh, the Wolverine women's team. So thank you coach Jennifer Klein for joining the Michigan soccer central podcasts a little sooner than we'd planned.
1: Yeah, I'm happy to be on, you know, obviously wish it would have been a, a, a few days or a week or two, however long we could have gotten more out of it. But uh you know, Nonetheless, here I am, and, and we get to talk soccer, which is always a, a good thing.
0: Yes, thank you so much for coming back on. I understand that uh, your sixth season, uh, you, you already kicked it off a little bit.
1: Yeah, so we started up last week. Uh, we've done one full week of practice, had a, an exhibition, so a, a scrimmage game, uh, a day off, and then uh, we get back at it tomorrow, uh, a couple more days, one more scrimmage, and then we officially kick this uh, this party, party off.
0: Wow, so you get two exhibitions and then it's the real deal?
1: And it's the real deal.
0: If only you could have about three and a half years to prepare for uh, a big uh, tournament. So with that in mind, uh, we're about 36 hours post-U.S. Uh, women's exit, recording on Monday night. So still somewhat fresh, but has digested a little bit. So from your perspective... Uh, Definitely head coach right here. What went wrong?
1: Well, I, I, I have to say, I thought, you know, the game against Sweden was the best game that they've had so far in the tournament. Um, I, I just thought the continuity between the players, um, you know, I thought Emily Sonnet did really well. You know, I, I know Rose Lavelle wasn't available uh, for the game and um, I really like the adjustment of of having Emily sonnet in there I thought she did great brought a great presence helped them defensively win stuff but then quicken the distribution um you know I thought they were very good in their press I I thought they you know created some opportunities the the Swedish goalkeeper in my opinion was the woman of the match I mean she made saves that were just unbelievable um and I feel bad that how it ended was the way that it, it ended. Like, you know, um, it just is a bit unfortunate. It was millimeters uh, away from, from being saved and, you know, carrying on. But um, overall, I, I thought in my opinion, best game that they've played so far and a bit unfortunate to have it end the way that it did.
0: Uh, For those listeners who somehow listened to this podcast, but did not watch or at least learn what happened in the game. U.S. women went out on penalty kicks in the round of 16 to Sweden. It was nil-nil after uh, 90 minutes and half-hour extra time. And when the game kicks off at 5 o'clock, that uh, extra time was pretty painful. I can't lie. But I had a great time. I actually woke up at 3.30 and went out to a bar and watched it. Um, So still recovering from the experience. (laughs) But I couldn't help. like The game in and of itself became a wild spectacle with how the, 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 the the penalty kicks played out, but it kind of seemed par for the course of what we've seen from this team under coach, uh, Latko and And, um, I guess without, we can go deeper in it, but with How you saw that team play over like the Olympics and the exhibitions and whatnot. This was kind of par for the course with the players that were available. What sort of adjustments would you have done if you had this player pool in in your uh, in your control?
1: Yeah. You know, with not being in their everyday environment, right? Like we're, we get to sit here and we... we, we yeah, we... granted, yeah, definitely
0: grain of salt. We're, this is results-based yeah, I stuff. But I just want to say was... as a was... coach,
1: I'm like, gosh, I got to do this. But, you know, I think one of the strengths that the U.S. had was their personalities um, up top. I mean, you look at uh, Sophie Smith, Alex Morgan, um, you know, uh, they brought on Lynn Williams off the bench, um, Rodman up top um and I think that that was a lot of fire firepower, you know, I feel like um you playing more to those strengths I, I think um would have been very helpful to them as far as finding ways to get a little bit more behind, capitalizing on their athleticism um you know i I know that they wanted to play through the midfield and um you know against Netherlands, they took away the midfield and uh, made it more challenging, and it also The midfield didn't have a lot of. um, I thought the most continuity they had was this last game, where before it didn't seem like they got into quite the same rhythm. Um, So I think I just I don't know if I would have gone a little bit more direct and played to the strengths of of those very athletic forwards. Um, But unfortunately, we you know struggled to score score goals. Um, You know, and that it's tough to win tournaments, knockout tournaments um, without scoring goals. And, um, you know, I think they generated some good chances, but the goalkeeper for Sweden was just, she played great. So, um, that's kind of my, I guess my brief little thing of what I, I would have done, you know, maybe, you know, you look back, would you have used some different rotation of players in some of the earlier group stage games? Maybe, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. Um, I know he was criticized for that in some of his games that he only used, you know, one sub or so, you know, I think that that's now uh, done. And and now who if he is retained or if they bring on somebody new, you get to start all over because players are going to be retiring. And I think when there's retirement, it naturally creates opportunity for new players to come in um, and reevaluate your your uh, your team.
0: See the the thing I I didn't see any. There's a lot of puzzling things about uh, uh, this coach's reign. Was that the results didn't seem to change, and there seemed to be enough data to see that something needed to change. And I never quite understood maybe just like just complete faith in the players to to, to figure it out. But it seemed like there was enough data to see that they weren't maybe supplied with the the right something to be able to figure it out. I always, the one consistent thing I saw throughout the tournament and then especially in the game was it seemed like they were almost playing isolation where they were, to your point, they were trying to like have that one-on-one athletic, but it's, at some point like their players were like running away from the ball rather than looking to combine and there was only probably one time that I recall at the top of my head where they combined on the top of the eighteen-yard box, and I was just puzzled as to to what kind of direction could you give to, to to encourage the combination play when those one-on-one situations weren't coming off.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think it goes back to probably the, you know uh, what they're doing in training and what that you know um, what what they're, they're kind of like their their philosophy of what they're wanting to do. But, you know, I do think that that's kind of that isolation of players a little bit 1v1, being a little bit more athletic was has been the MO. Um, you know, you just look at some other teams, they're just better in tighter combination. Um, I think, uh, you know, like uh, I think one of the highlights that's coming to mind is like just Columbia in the in their last game, just their tight combination movement in and around the box. Um, yeah we just we don't we don't have that um but I also think the players the 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 style and and maybe positional profile of the players within our team don't necessarily play to that um type but you know it's it's not to say that there aren't those players um out there to be selected so you know it, with if if there is a new coach or if it's still the same staff and um they, you know, they'll reevaluate and look and see, okay, where, where we got it wrong and and what do we need to go find different? So it'll be interesting this next, this next cycle of what it will look like.
0: Another mystery to me was that early in the Andonovsky era, it seemed like the, the, the team was either hot or cold, depending on the availability of Julie Ertz. And then there was a while probably over the last year was the will she won't she be available. And then it seemed like, ta-da, she's available. Maybe that, you know, that that's you know, so the team will be on now that she's there. And then she ends up playing center back the entire tournament. And you could argue she was in there for Becky Sauerbrunn, but you had multiple other defenders that you brought to the other side of the planet to play center back that never did. And they even faked out the lineups when Sonnet was in They and I think my FAT mob had Julie Ertz placed in the midfield pregame. And then it turned out Sonnet ended up being the midfielder. So there was like a refusal to move her up. And it just seemed pretty wild to put her into that position that she hadn't really played in about a decade. And then it seemed like from the first game their play seemed to cry out for Ertz to be there to to be the 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 wrecking ball in the midfield and then supply the forward thrust and it just never came and it's amongst the mysteries i i, I don't think we'll probably ever hear the the real reason yeah
1: the it. real answer yeah, yeah i i agree like you you had a couple other defenders there that you know wouldn't would you have tried them um just to see what it would look like um especially like you know, a game against um, in some of the group stage games that you could have uh, made those adjustments. Um, yeah, we did. We did, uh, they did seem to miss Ertz in there. Um, just she, her motor, ability to cover ground, just end stuff, and have that like kind of just killer instinct and attitude. And then it does her ability freeze up those more creative midfielder types with. You know, Lindsay Horan and when uh, Rose Lavelle is is healthy, um, they don't have to worry about some of that dirty work because they know Ertz is going to give it and then play super simple. So, yeah, I do think we uh, she was missed.
0: Yeah, because it's like, why was Alana Cook or some of those yeah. others? Why were they why were they included?
1: Yeah, yeah. The, the mystery, you know, maybe one day he'll write a book and we'll all get the, the tell all of of the decisions. But who knows?
0: Yeah, just, yeah, it's one of those just odd things that, I mean, but he, I don't know, I guess uh, I shouldn't get too stuck on, but he seemed unmoved even when they were doing the same things a lot. He didn't really seem to be like adjusting or even like getting animated. Like if it was just a rah-rah thing, I never saw him really like laying into the team to try to get them fired up either.
1: Yeah, definitely. You're missing the, um, uh, Klopp, uh, Pep Guardiola, uh, expression on the sidelines. Right. And, um, yeah, you see managers of that level with that kind of enthusiasm and, uh, energy on the side and, you know, sometimes you get to the World Cup and they all seem so stoic, don't they? They just kind of <laughs> stand there and um, and go. But yeah, I hopefully we'll get some some more insight. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens.
0: But I mean, at least it, it wasn't uh, a quiet uh, way to go out. Uh, I mean, that penalty shootout was pretty chaotic, and then it ended in a way I've never seen any penalty shootout end.
1: Yeah. I mean, it just, I, it was like, remember watching and I'm like, okay, PK is great. All right, good. We're good. We're good. And then it was like, no, we're not good. Oh my goodness. What's happening. Oh my goodness. What's happening. And then it was like, and then you saw the, just how close it was. And it, I mean, Alyssa Nair, I, she makes the first save and goes back and it's like for that to happen. I mean, your heart just like crushes for her the effort that she made to, to do it. And it just goes in. <laughs> like,
0: I thought it was pretty counterintuitive. How everyone was crowding around the ref and she, she did the, yeah. this, and it thought it was like no goal, but I think that was game over, which yeah. was
1: just crazy. And it just is nuts. Like, you know, Rapino, who's, I think someone had told me that, um, you know, she's never missed a PK and then, you have uh, Sophie Smith, who, you know, is kind of the, the new young star, Mrs. Kelly O'Hara. It just was tough.
0: <laughs> it was wild because those first five shots were some of the best penalty kicks, you know, top corners. Oh side my goodness, netting. The
1: first ones were like, oh, that's why it was like, we got this. They were awesome PKs. And you think, God, we're rolling through it. And then it just... <laughs> Or should I should I should actually say it was skyrocketed. So
0: that was pretty wild. But uh, th- those aside, uh, what, um, I guess positives, like what players do you think like came out like showing well? Because I thought it was wild. A lot of players didn't have the performances I'm sure they wanted. Latin not the best form. But that speaks to the level of the US. that they didn't really play out that well, and they still took it that far and still should have won without like their best performers perform, performing, Um what do you, well, I guess what silver linings are players like kind of give you a little bit of, like you could say we're positive. Yeah.
1: I think Naomi Gurma is definitely a highlight. I, I think, you know, she's yeah. a player that's going to have a really long career with the U S national team Um for as young as she is to play in the position that she's playing as a center back, I think speaks a lot to her as a player. Um, You know, Lindsay Horan had to step in and and be a captain um, and uh, take on that more leadership role, um, especially with uh, Becky Sauerbrunn not being um, available and and there. So I think that there was some highlights. I mean, her response after getting fouled and then going and scoring that goal off the header, like just awesome. I I just um, I think she's a very good player. And I think. She was a highlight for me. Sophie Smith, you know, it's unfortunate she missed the PK, but I do think she's got some stuff there. You know, Trinity Rodman. Um, I know people all had critiques for Savannah DeMello, but I do think it's pretty impressive that a player that hasn't been in with the the full national team in any preparation prior to the World Cup gets uh, the start on two games, and I thought handled herself pretty well for that um, context that she was in, you know, I mean, you're stepping in, you haven't, re- you, you, she probably, you know, handful, couple of weeks to get, you know, in there, them telling about what they're looking to do. So I, I think there's, there's a lot of promise there. You know, um, Rose Lavelle is always a, a great player. It was just unfortunate. She wasn't quite available. Um, you know, and you, and you had some other players that may, you know, they didn't get on the field, but they were there. You're you're gaining experience of what that World Cup um, environment is like. So I think the 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 youth side of the full team um, is pretty bright, and it's just now about them gaining experiences over the next four years to be ready for that that next the next uh, World Cup.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more with the uh the Gurma shout to to be a, a young center back and that she didn't really put a foot wrong.
1: No. No, and you watch I mean she's playing so well with uh San Diego uh in the NWSL. So I, I think she's gonna be really, really good.
0: Kind of stepping back from uh the US women's team, you had some of your uh uh, players and former players uh, performing at the World Cup. Can you give us a little bit of update on, like, kind of the local story? Uh, how did the uh, the players you've uh, coached fare?
1: Yeah. You know, we, we have some uh, alums that are uh, with Canada, so that was a, you know, bummer with them, um, especially with, uh, you know, how well they did at the um... – Oops, oh, sorry how well they did, uh, at the, um, Olympics and then to not advance, I think was, was a bummer, but you know, for our player who I coach specifically, Jade Revere, you know, she wasn't able to finish out, uh, her senior year with us because she was injured. And so to see her go through her injury, recover, um, sign a pro contract with man United and then be on that stage, knowing just kind of what she had to do to get there. I thought was amazing. I sent her a text to just can, you know, just to tell her how proud I was that she's the return that she made. Um, you know, and then, uh, a player that just went out today, uh, uh, with, uh, Ashley Plumter who plays with Nigeria. So they just lost to PKs to, um, to England today. um, I only saw the, uh, just the score and the, the bit of the player that got the red card. So I saw that on social. Um, and then obviously, uh, Savannah DeMello, I, I coached at USC. So just happy that she got an opportunity to, to be selected for the U S team. I mean, there's just so many great players that it's tough to make that roster. Um, and then, uh, Dominique Randall who played with the Philippines and got an opportunity to play, um, you know there were so many countries i think what was has been so great is you've seen so many first year countries countries for the first year scoring goals countries for the first year advancing and uh i think that part has been really fun the fact that you had like germany canada and brazil not advance was like what is going on um but i think it speaks to the growth of the women's game worldwide like it's unfortunate cuz you want to see you know you you want to see those teams but it's also like how great you got Colombia um you had uh you know, who else South Africa um just all these great uh countries that are advancing and i think it's really great that Australia keeps advancing i just think with them being the home country their, the fans seemed electric when I watched the game this morning, especially when Sam Kerr went on, it was like, Oh my goodness, you could hear it through the TV. So, you know, I, I was proud of all the players that I've, that I've had the opportunity to coach and to play on the highest level. Um, and then just have been enjoying watching just the, kind of the excitement around the world cup.
0: So we are, uh- you know, just about through the round of 16, who would you uh, pin as uh, your favorite to uh, go the whole way?
1: So I don't know if I talked about this, this uh, country when we met first. And I will say, remember, I said I thought Portugal would be a dark horse. And they actually looked pretty good. They, they didn't advance, but they played very well against the U.S. But my new pick now, after watching a few games, Japan looks great. They are just, I think they've only given up one goal and it was against Norway. They look really tough, really, really tough.
0: Yeah. They have, I mean, to, to absolutely slice up Spain who is in their own right, looked really every other game, just about they've done really, really well. And then to, to, to get beat like four nil yeah. or so yeah. was just out of control. And they, I think they squirted on their first three shots. They, just so efficiently soaked up pressure and then ruthlessly countered. They, they seem to have taken another step forward. Cause I think Japan was the last world cup winner before the back to back for USA. And they've just been getting stronger and stronger. And they seem like um, this actually across the board. It seems like there's more players that can take on a player and beat them with the dribble. than I recall before there's, been a few and they stand out a lot, but it seems like almost every team has at least one player. Who's, who's a th- definitely a threat on the ball.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think so. And, um, but yeah, they've just been, they've always been a been good, but I, and it's like, you kind of expect them to be good, but I, I think they're going to be great. I mean, I've, I've been a fan of, of, of England, you know, especially with what they did in the euros. Um, and so I'm excited to see them. Um, you know, I think, uh, I'm rooting for Australia as well, just as the home country. And um, But I, the, the, once you get through tomorrow, the, the next round I think is going to be exciting as well.
0: I'd say of the teams that have advanced, Sweden probably the least threatening offensively out of all of them. And I'm seeing that on, uh, in the wee hours of Friday at 3.30 Japan, take on Sweden in the quarter. So, I think Japan's got a good chance of making a run here.
1: Yes, I agree. I, I think, you know, where they, uh, you know, once they got out of group play and who they get matched up with, I think fares very well for them. Um, so I, I think they'll do well against Sweden. They're my pick now. I think they're going to be the one to beat.
0: Tomorrow, uh, in the wee hours of the morning, by the time that listeners are hearing this, the, the results may well be in, but Colombia versus Jamaica and in France versus Morocco. Outside of the highlights of France versus Brazil in the group stage, I haven't been able to watch any France. Some of their veterans back from kind of a protest leave of absence. So uh, their world rankings, not as high as Sweden or some others, but might, they might be a bit of a sleeping giant here.
1: I think so. I definitely do. Um, yeah. Also, that's a team I've only been able to really see some highlights. Haven't gotten a chance to really see them them play. But they have some some good veterans on their uh, on their roster back. So I think uh, I think they'll fare well tomorrow. And then, um, will they be the winner of the Japan Sweden?
0: Uh, that, uh, let me look up and see if, uh, yeah, let me, I got the, there's Spain, Netherlands, uh, on the 10th, which is what, Thursday and in Japan versus Sweden. And then on the other side of the bracket, uh, we're waiting for the winner of Colombia, Jamaica will face England. Okay. Uh, Australia has found their way and, uh, will play the winner of France, Morocco,
1: okay
0: and so japan will get the winner of netherlands spain so that's probably the winner right there is whoever is in that side because the other most impressive teams have probably been the netherlands and spain and
1: yeah i I would agree
0: one of my favorite games of the tournament (coughs) well it did turn out to be a disappointing draw i i really liked the the sparring between USA and Holland and probably the most electric part of the tournament was that like 5 minute spell where Heran got fouled and they went back and forth into the corner and in the goal that that was pure entertainment and i was super impressed with how technical the Holland was and so press resistant almost every player like at the f- the first half of that USA Netherlands game they were throwing so many pressing players and they never really, Holland never really got caught out by the intense press by the U.S. You know, one touch passes, control touches. They, they never really, they wore out the U.S. Yeah, uh, by passing around them. So um, it'll be interesting to see Spain obviously had like 70% possession and got beat for nothing against Japan. Yeah. So that Holland-Spain game is, uh, I mean, who knows how that's going to play out.
1: Yeah, that's going to be a really good matchup.
0: So definitely those four on that side, definitely very competitive side of the bracket.
1: You're probably looking at your winner out of that side. I I maybe just cause it, it is a challenge and those teams have looked good.
0: And so you're picking at this stage, uh, as we're setting up the quarterfinals, you're you're going Japan?
1: I'm going Japan.
0: Yeah, I I I, I don't think I could uh Disagree if you twisted my arm. So Japan locked in winner. This has been a totally predictable uh, tournament. So we're probably right.
1: Yes, that's exactly it.
0: <laughs> Coach Jennifer Klein, thank you for uh, joining me once again, uh, being kind of my World Cup uh, correspondent, um, going into your sixth year at uh, the helm of U of M. Um, how... Uh, could the listener look up the schedule or find more information on your team?
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, mgoblue.com is where our schedule is. Um, Also, we, you know, we're on most social media platforms. I think uh, Twitter's now X and Instagram, right? We got a so weird, but um, yeah, all of our information, mgoblue.com, women's soccer page schedules out um, gives you all of the access to all of our social media and, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's looking good. I mean, we, we had a really great week, um, just came off of our, our first scrimmage um, and just working through everything. So we got one more week of preparation, and then it's start, and we go out west to play USC and Pepperdine, our, our soon-to-be future Big Ten colleagues, if you will. And uh, So, yeah, it's going to be a good test right at the first week. So got some work still to do this week, but um, looking forward to it.
0: So uh, from that, I can say nothing is permanent, uh, change is constant.
1: <laughs> That's exactly it. If you ever need to know that, just look at what's the Big Ten uh, uh, lineup as far as who's in the league.
0: <laughs> and you said USC and Pepperdine and then Big Ten in the same sentence and I have to think.
1: Yeah, doesn't what? make any sense. Which right? one
0: of those two is it? USC. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course. Of course it is. But of
1: course it is.
0: Coach, thank you so much, and uh, all the best uh, with the new season ahead.
1: Thank you very much, and uh, we'll see if we both are the, the right predictors. If we are, we better go get the – what's the lotto ticket? Isn't it uh, pretty high so we can go in?
0: Japan all the way.
1: Yeah, all the way, exactly.
0: our guest this week the return of university of michigan head coach jennifer klein back to the program thank you so much we shall see if our japan for the win predictions come true want to also uh pay some respects i just recently saw while scanning the at mi soccer central uh, social tags that uh um the passing of great player nerman cernich I was blessed with the opportunity to commentate on a couple of his games for uh, Rapid City Football Club this winter, the indoor team out in Grand Rapids. He was uh, a key performer for them, and I, I hope uh, all thoughts with his family and, and friends at uh, his passing. I don't know too much, but wanted to make a note of that. Um, thoughts go out, as I said. Please be sure everyone to uh, check out at MISoccer Central across all platforms and please give the old like and subscribe a to the uh, at Michigan Soccer Central YouTube where uh, We Are Soccer's Craig Hearn and I put in the third installation of Detroit Soccer Dads. Just two dads trying to get to the weekend. So that's a good laugh. Talk about soccer, some, some dad jokes and some work jokes. So check out either at MI Soccer Central on YouTube or uh, the We Are Soccer uh, YouTube channels. Thank you as always to Jenny Hajnaki for editing this podcast. Once again, thank you to you, the listener making this show go and the Michigan Soccer Central core team. Thank you guys. This show also won't go without you. So lots of world cup to watch. Uh, Messi mania continues and, uh, You know, soccer never sleeps. So until next time, everybody, please enjoy your soccer.